When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. This podcast is sponsored by Ramp. Are you the decision maker in your company? Consider this. For the first time in decades, there's a better option for a corporate card and spend management platform. Meet Ramp, the only corporate card and spend management system designed to help you spend less money so you can make more. Most corporate credit cards offer points as incentives, but those points amount to less than their worth in real cash value. Ramp's business cards offer you cash back, real money in your pocket. Plus, you control who spends what with each vendor. And Ramp's software collects and verifies receipts automatically, which means you'll stop wasteful spending and close your books in hours instead of days. Businesses that use Ramp add up to 5% to their bottom line the first year. If you're a decision maker, adding Ramp could be one of the best decisions you've ever made. And now get $250 when you join Ramp for free. Just go to ramp.com slash easy. Ramp.com slash easy. R-A-M-P dot com slash easy. Currents issued by Sutton Bank and Celtic Bank members of DIC. Terms and conditions apply. Hello, Steeler fans. Welcome to the Curtain Call. I'm your host for the first time ever, Jeffrey Benedict. Uh, with me, uh, Shannon White. Shannon, how are you doing? I'm doing great. Excited about being here. And our guest for tonight, talking Pitt Panther football prospects, Chris Carter. Chris, how are you doing? Doing all right, guys. Glad to be here. All right. Um, Thanks for being on the show. We're talking all the different pit prospects. Obviously, the big one uh, is Kenny Pickett, the quarterback. Uh, can you tell us what does Kenny Pickett bring uh, to any NFL team he goes to that separates him from the other draft prospects, other quarterbacks in this class? Mm. Well, one thing I've said for a while, uh, Kenny Pickett as a quarterback, if you were to pick one quarterback who was the most accurate and the best at reading the field in this in this group, I would say that is who Kenny Pickett is. He's not a quarterback that's going to do everything on the field, but he's going to be smart. He's going to process what you're doing, and he's going to make you know well well judged decisions that he studied that he studied out. Um, by all indications, too, in my time covering him uh, with the Pitt Panthers, he's a heck of a leader. He's a guy that people get behind. He's a guy that inspires other people to. To, to change up, I can tell you uh, when, when Pitt lost to Western Michigan early last season, mm-hmm. uh, it was a very disappointing loss. And it was one that, you know, was kind of caught. It was like the upset that, you know, that normally derails Pitt's season. 
But the day after that, Kenny Pickett called a team meeting with all the players. And he said, this isn't going to happen again this year. We're not letting this happen again. This is our year. We're going to go win the ACC. And we got to all step up, me included, on how we want to make sure that we accomplish that goal. And from that point on, every week when we talked to players, offense or defense, they talked about that meeting. They talked about how they would look back at that game every week, making sure they're not going to make the same mistakes over and over again. And lo and behold, Pitt, Pitt, Pitt had their first ever 11-win season since 1981. It was their first ever a ACC championship since joining the conference in 2013. Um, and they accomplished the goal that they set out to do. And a lot of that is attributed to not just Kenny Pickett's play on the field, but his leadership off of it. And that's the thing that I think a lot of people are impressed by. You get him. He, he never overly felt himself every step of the way. You know, he was on pace and he did break Deshaun Watson's ACC touchdown pass record this past season. But each week that you talk to him, even after they won the ACC championship game, there was a sense of, you know, I'm not going to focus on this too long. He had the, he believes in the 24-hour rule where as soon as 24 hours are over from the end of the last game, you are done with talking about it. You're focused on your next opponent and what you got to do next. That man lived and breathed by that philosophy. And if you want a guy who takes it seriously, who approaches things as a professional coming out of college, he's going to be your guy in that field. And so, yes, there's guys that have stronger arms. There's guys that are faster. There's, there's guys that are bigger. Um, but Kenny Pickett, is a baller and he's a leader and he's a guy that you want on your team. And that's why, that's where I think that he separates himself from the others. Um, but I understand that there's reasons why you might draw back on him. You might look at, well, he's 24 years old compared to other guys who might be 21 years old. And those three years, those are, those are three years that you can't have him in the pros. Uh, you know, his arm strength isn't the best of this class. You know, he's, he's a guy that he can, he can fit the ball into tight windows about 20, 25 yards out. But when you start getting past 30 yards, you know, he starts to put a little bit more air under the ball and people start to are wondering, can that work in the NFL as a starting quarterback? Uh, if you want to be a star in this league, if you want to be a guy that's worthy of a first round pick, people ask those questions. We're going to see how it goes. But I know that he's impressed a lot of people with his leadership skills, with his professionalism, with his with his production. There's things he still needs to sharpen up. He's not perfectly you know, engineered as a quarterback, but he's a guy that's going to come in. He's going to know he's going to learn your system as well as he can. And he's going to operate it and play within that system while fighting to make the tough plays for you. Shannon? I was wondering what your opinion was about, to me, Pickett is, I think he would really thrive in a warmer climate or a dome stadium. Uh, I'm not as concerned about hand size, but when in the cold, really cold weather, the football gets harder, a little harder to grip. Um, and we talk about the, you know his arm strength past 25 yards. Let's say the windy, super windy conditions of the AFC North. Those are my two main concerns with him being a good fit for the Steelers. But looking back, they the last prime pit quarterback they had. You know they passed on Dan Marino. That you know they've never been able to live get past that. I've still I've shaken by that to this day. Because I think they'd have at least two more Super Bowls on the docket had they have picked Marino. So if they skip Pickett, are we going to see? You know, I agree with you. the The age thing, uh, he should be more, you know, pro ready, ready to step right in because he is older. Uh, so there, you know, that can be looked at in two different ways, a positive or a negative. But are we going to see a repeat of the Marino situation if the Steelers pass on Pickett and then he turns out to be? you know, 
even better than what a lot of people are expecting him to be an above average quarterback. You know, that's the tough thing. A lot of people are asking that because he's a pit quarterback and because, I mean, he broke a lot of Dan Marino's records this year and people are, and it's a natural question because, uh, you know, back when Dan Marino was coming out, there was questions about, you know, maybe he was getting in trouble. Maybe he needed to go somewhere other than Pittsburgh. You know, there are a lot of those questions. I'd say before I get to that, I, I do want to say, I do think that he'd be fine in a cold weather. I mean, he played in a cold weather city for five years with, with Pitt. I mean, he, he played at Heinz field and he has some amazing highlights in some not favorable conditions. Uh, if you go back and look at his game against UNC, uh, he threw a, a game winning overtime touchdown pass through the, through the cold rain um, in, in that game. And he did, and he did fine there. I, the hand size to me, I think is overstated. I, I, I think that that's, it's maybe a concern with fumbles. Maybe I don't think it's that big of a deal. My biggest thing is his, his, his ability to to get the ball on a line down if you if you have a bomb 40 yards down the field and make it so that there's not as much time for safeties to react if they're beat by a wide receiver that would be my biggest concern for Kenny Pickett and I'm the, I don't think that's as much of a hand size thing as much as this he just he's I'm not sure if he has that cannon in him Kenny Pickett's always been the all-around guy like he's the guy that He's he's not the fastest, but he's mobile. He doesn't have the biggest cannon, but he can throw. He's not the tallest, but he can see over the line. He, he brings all of those together in a positive way. And when you do that and you're an exceptional leader the way he is, I think that's a big reason why, he's, why he had such success, especially in his senior year. I mean, the other thing is to look back at, he didn't have supreme numbers in, in his in his prior years, the last two years, each of, the, of his last two years with with Pitt, he had thirteen touchdowns, nine interceptions. Funny enough, um, but uh, with uh, yeah, good. We 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 always got to get our West Virginia jokes in, but those are actual numbers. He had thirteen touchdowns and nine interceptions. That's that's that is freaky. Uh, but when it comes to uh, when it comes to uh, you know to to that that scene that that super senior year because remember that he, he the only reason he got this extra year was because of COVID and how it impacted his 2020 season he would not have been all this if he came out in the year with Trevor Lawrence and he he would have been a fourth fifth maybe sixth round pick but getting this extra opportunity people now see wow oh so he can run an offense and put up big numbers the question is could he do that in an NFL team. I, I think he'd be fine in any any environment that he plays. To me, the biggest thing is that you you would need a team that be built around the way that he plays. I, I think the Saints would be a great fit. They have run those short passing schemes around Drew Brees for years. They run the ball well. They play really good defense. You put him on a roster like that. I think that's what that's what helps him be a more effective quarterback. Whereas he's not going to light light you up for. 50 touchdowns in a season in the NFL, but he's going to be efficient. He's going to be annoying to defenses because he will pick at their weaknesses. And as he gets better in the NFL, I could see that being, if he's able to stay consistent there, I could see that being his biggest factor. And because again, he has all those all around skills. He's not going to be someone you can just pigeonhole and say, well, he's not going to try to scramble or he's not going to try to throw deep or he's not going to try to hit this route because he does all the things. Okay. This is one thing I've struggled with with looking at Kenny Pickett and that is Pitt had such an explosion of offense this past season. And obviously Kenny Pickett's right in the middle of that, right? He's, mm -hmm. he's the most important position in the middle of an offense that just absolutely skyrocketed yep. from what, from what it had been even in the, just the past few, you know, four or five seasons. How do you look at a quarterback in that situation who personally had a great season in the midst of an offense that had a great season? How do you evaluate that out and say, how much of this is Kenny Pickett? How much of it is development of Jordan Addison? How much of it is 
uh, coaching or any offensive scheme changes. What can you, can you talk to other factors that that were a part of Pitt's offensive explosion in, in 2021, and how much of that can be on Pickett, and how much do we have to say? Well, you know, he he had this situation that that went well with for him too. If I remember correctly, before his junior year, um, he had already had two offensive coordinators, I believe, going into that season. And then Mark Whipple was hired. Mark Whipple was his third offensive coordinator. And uh, his first two years with with Whipple, they developed a really good relationship, but there were still some things to iron out. There were also some injuries. I can tell you in 2020, um, you know, Pitt was actually performing pretty well. They had these back-to-back one-point losses that really hurt them. Um and uh, after that, Kenny Pickett suffered an injury that took him out for for a few weeks, and then they suffered some really bad losses. And had they not suffered those losses, they would have been one of the better teams in the ACC. Um, and I, I think they would have they would have competed a lot better in some of those games, uh, maybe even won them. Um, I think a lot of it has been poor timing, bad luck, but also adjusting to an offense. But by that third year, there was no questioning what Mark Whipple was doing you know like they 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 knew what it needed to be done i will also say that pitt's receiving core boosted it this year not that that, that year jordan not just jordan addison but the whole group i mean in 2020 they had some i think they had the most drops in college football you know and kenny pickett was throwing some good passes that were just falling <laughs> falling down to the ground and in 2021 those went away and you saw them hauling in more passes and not just hauling them in, but then taking them for extra yards. They became a more complete group around Kenny Pickett. And it's it's a mix of all those factors. It's not just Kenny Pickett just was Superman, um, even though Pitt's offense for the first, I'd say, month and a half of the season was just, Kenny, you got to go be Superman. They're, they didn't have a run game that was consistent. They would just say, Kenny Pickett, go out there and sling the ball on these guys, and he would go do it. Um, so... It, it, I, if, if you're asking to see like, you know, how to evaluate it, I always say, go look at the the coaches that they've had, you know, Pat Narduzzi has been there, but go look at how many different offensive coordinators have been through, uh, through Pitt during Kenny Pickett's time. How long did it take for him to adjust to Whipple's offense? And then what are all the factors as far as, you know, how the receivers were playing around him, how the running game existed, you know, Pitt in 2018, when Kenny Pickett was just coming onto the scene, uh, when they first went to the ACC championship game and got slaughtered by Clemson, they had one of the better rushing attacks in the ACC. Why? Because they had an experienced offensive line and an experienced backfield. Well, all those guys graduated, and they and then when they coming back, they had to rebuild that. And it took it took a couple years to do that, but in 2021, they found their rhythm. And by the by mid 2021, their offensive line was experienced, tough, physical, and they found the combination of running backs that was going to make them a serious uh, running back by committee type of threat. And when they found that, it made Pitt a more balanced offense, which is what you saw when they beat Wake Forest so badly in the ACC championship game. So, And Kenny Pickett is a big part of that engine. Um, so there's, I don't think there's really much to minimize about what Kenny Pickett did as a quarterback in, the, in college football, but – Again, there's a reason why you see so many guys succeed so much in college and then never work out in the pros. You know, the the, the passing windows are smaller. The challenges are tougher. Um, the reads are tougher. The defenses are more disguised. It's going to push Kenny Pickett. But I think if there's a guy who's mentally ready for those challenges, it's him. Yeah, I agree. Maturity-wise, uh, leadership-wise, all those qualities. It's funny, when I was doing some research for – this year's quarterback class, I come up on a evaluation of Kenny Pickett from before the start of last season. 
and they were saying that he could be a draft prospect if he had a strong season. They were saying a fifth or sixth round uh, projection. And he kind of had the, like Joe Burrow. I mean, he had just such a magical uh, final season there in college that he goes from being a fifth or sixth projection to a, a first round projection. And so therefore I believe that he, he can do a lot of things immediately in the NFL that some of the other guys are not prepared to do. They're, everybody's got some warts that they're going to have to get ironed out. They're going to need some time uh, and not just be thrown in there. He's probably the closest. If he, you know, even if he didn't start the season four or five games in, he might be ready to go. But it's kind of like everybody talks about this year not being a strong class and next year being a stronger class. But Pickett wasn't even considered a top prospect, right? You know, prior to the season. So there'll definitely be a few more surprises next year. There are always is. And, but therefore, should somebody reach for Pickett? The Saints have two first round draft picks now. As you mm-hmm. said, I think he'd be a great fit because I agree with the, I think he's a fit with the Saints offense, but also, again, think he would do great in the dome because I don't remember, I don't get to watch Pitt that much, but I don't remember a game there at Hines that was super windy, uh, which I don't know if you remember Joe Burrow's rookie season with the Bengals. They played in Pittsburgh, his first time playing in Pittsburgh, and it was just an hellacious wind that day. Yeah, it was, I it think was, it was 30, yeah. 40 mile an hour winds, yep. and he could not throw the ball. Mm-hmm. Ben could. Ben was used to it. Ben was, you know, even coming off the arm surgery, he could drive the ball. And, you know, they was already throwing the ball shorter at that time because of the offensive line. But but it really affected Burrow. And I'm afraid that it, it, later in the season, because college season's over sooner than the NFL season, if you start getting into December and getting the snow, I don't remember him playing in a snow game. I mean, I'm just – maybe I missed it. but Or the or the strong – the high winds that a lot of times the company games in December and then January if you make it to the playoffs – uh, I just think he'd be a better fit, uh, even with Carolina, because Carolina doesn't get the same weather that again in Pittsburgh. Very true. So do you do you, do you think somebody should really? I think that they should value this year's draft class of quarterback uh, more so than a lot of people are, because next year is not a given either. There's going to be guys like. Spencer Rattler, I think is his name, from Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. He was one of the top two quarterbacks ranked coming into the year, and he fell off the planet. You know, mm-hmm. you'll have guys come out of nowhere, and then you'll have guys fall off. And, you know, we're talking about Shroud. You know, you got Ohio State. They always have top receivers. Mm-hmm. You know, um, like I wrote an article about the Georgia Bulldogs and how that everybody's like, well, how do you rake their inside linebackers when their defensive line was so dominant? Well, same thing with Ohio State quarterbacks. They always have a, usually a strong running game and great wide receivers. So how much of that is the quarterback and how much is the wide receivers? I think in Pickett's case, Pickett was a lot of that offense with Addison. Mm-hmm. And they had some other decent guys. But I, I think that that he's more of a safer pick than some of the guys next year. See, there's always the sense of – the panic. Do you make the move this year? Because you're, you're not just making the move 
for next year because you're just guaranteeing that there's going to be a better quarterback class. But you're making the move because you look at it and you say, is Kenny Pickett your quarterback of the future? Does he have every single thing that you want out of your quarterback of the future? Because you're right. We don't know who's going to pop up. Zachary Wilson wasn't a guy on everyone's radar two years ago when he was coming up. You know, for example, this year, everyone's talking about Bryce Young and and uh, and, and CJ and Stroud. But, you know, Keaton Slovis, the guy that just joined Pitt or transferred to Pitt, if he blows it up at Pitt for a year, he could be going. He's a senior right now, and he he could come back for one more year of eligibility. But he could also he could also he could also say, you know what? I've showed off my cannon of an arm. I'm ready for the NFL. Brennan Armstrong, Virginia, could put himself more in the, in, the, in that in that conversation. Um, you know, like you said, there, there's always people that can emerge, and and you say, whoa, didn't see that coming, and do, and change everyone's mind. Mitch Trubisky is a perfect example. You know, he was not a a, a four year quarterback that lit up the ACC. He came up really strong at the end of his of his collegiate career, and then all of a sudden. Uh, second overall pick, you know, like that, you know, over guys like Deshaun Watson and Patrick Mahomes. So there's, I, I agree with you that there's, that there's, there's the sense of, you know, what you have this year in, in the draft, but knowing what you have this year doesn't mean that you should also over overvalue it because I still say this is a heck of a year to get a serious talent at other positions in the first round. You could, it, it, the way I see it at 20, if five receivers are off the board, that probably means one of those top cornerbacks fell. And how often, <clears throat> excuse me, how often do the Steelers get real shots at top cornerbacks in a draft class? It, it, that's the reason that everyone <laughs> says they, they, they don't get them because they're always the last up to get them. But this year, if five receivers are going off the board and four offensive tackles and five edge rushers and a center and a linebacker and a quarterback or two, eventually you're going to get to a point where, wait a second, the corner's got to go at some, like Ahmad Gardner's going to be gone. I think Derek Steenley will be gone. But then you're looking at Trent McDuffie or Andrew Booth Jr. Both of those guys, really good athletic profiles with good tape. Imagine getting a corner like that for the next four or five years for the Pittsburgh Steelers. And imagine if they worked out and they were a true CB1. And now you're sitting there saying, look, we got our corner of the future. Now we just need to make sure one of these vets work out next to him. We got Mika Fitzpatrick. You, you, you assume that the Steelers are going to sign Terrell Edmonds or get someone to start there at strong safety. Your secondary would be set. And now you're talking about having the best front in football and a really young and talented secondary behind them and an athletic linebacker pair in, in Devin Bush and Miles Jack and maybe another guy you get in the draft like Leo Chanel. I really think that he would be a great fit for them in the second round. This is what I think the Steelers are building up to. It's not necessarily just because C.J. Stroud and Bryce Young are next year. It's because this year also on top of these quarterbacks that we're kind of meh about – they have a lot of defensive and, and offensive players who were not meh about it, 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 like in, I just did a, a locked on the ultimate mock draft for the locked on podcast network. It came down to me at 20. I picked Jordan Davis. If Jordan Davis is there at 20, are we, are we really complaining about not getting a Kenny Pickett this year? I, I mean, that that's what we just bait. You basically, you're thinking you, that you got your next cam Hayward for the next decade. Like that's what we're talking about maybe the Steelers getting there is a, is a guy who's going to be a stalwart player on their defense, because let's face it, the, the next era, this, this next era of Steelers isn't going to be the killer bees. It's not going to be a top offense. It's going to be a gritty offense that does what it has to do in its big, in, in its toughest moments, but it's a team that's going to be led by its defense. And so how do you better prepare for that? Beef up that defense Keep it young, keep player, keep playmakers coming through it, and make up an offense that's like the 2008 Steelers when they last won the Super Bowl is sometimey. But when you when you when it comes down to the nitty gritty, it's like, hey, we just need you guys to get maybe 
eight or ten points. That's all we need from y'all, and this defense can, can win the rest of the way. And I know that the NFL is different from, from back then, but still, I think that there's a model for that. You look at the 49ers and how they've gotten to two of the last three NFC Championship games with Jimmy Garoppolo and a better defense and, and, and a running game. Uh, and then you look at the Titans, who have been making it to the playoffs with Ryan Tannehill. There's models for this, and I and neither of those teams, I think, have the defense that the Steelers have on their roster when they're healthy. Think, think what you're saying there. One of the, one of the things I, I bring up to people about you know all we need to get a quarterback is Steelers didn't have a great quarterback situation in 2003. Uh, they got Ben Roethlisberger the next year, yeah. 2003. They got Troy Polamalu. Mm-hmm. You know you could have Ben Roethlisberger. Great example. If you if you had somehow drafted Ben Roethlisberger instead of Troy Polamalu in 2003 in, in some mythical world, uh, are you better for that? Like you you don't want to. You don't want to, you want to take the best player because of that. If there's a Jordan Davis there and you can completely just have a dominant defensive front, then yeah, yeah, you can wait till next year. Exactly. You can get a quarterback then. Um, I, I have one last question on the quarterback position. I know sure. we, there are some other prospects to get to. Kenny Pickett's age is viewed, viewed as a knock. And this mm-hmm. is one of my kind of questions nowadays is quarterbacks are playing so much longer. True. Right. Ben Roswell just played till he was 39. And at the same time, we're seeing these young guys that have all the talent but are raw, they're not sitting. Right. Mm-hmm. Like, like Trubisky, Mitchell Trubisky is a great example of that. He was that guy. And they're like, no, you're still going to play. Uh, quarterbacks, even when they're, even when they draft him, they're like, oh, they're going to sit anymore by the end of the season. They're all in. Tua was in. You know, Jalen Hurts is playing. They're they're all mm-hmm. end up playing before that end of that first season. So to me, I would ask: Do you think with the recent, you know, career lengthening, with the way the NFL has changed the rules and protected quarterbacks, all the different factors that go into that, is it actually a negative for Kenny Pickett to be an older quarterback who's more polished when these quarterbacks who maybe need a little more polish? are going to have to get it in live fire. They're going to have to get it while playing. Is so um, is is that really a, a negative for Kenny Pickett or is that actually a positive? I think that's a good question because you're applying some good context there with your right. The NFL is becoming more protective of its players and guys are lasting longer. Just look at Tom Brady. Heck, Ben Roethlisberger, I mean, Jeffrey, I mean, you and I used to uh, have talked for years. You know, back in 2013, nobody thought Ben Roethlisberger would be playing in 2021. Everyone thought, yeah, he got about two more years in him with the way mm-hmm. he plays. But then the Steelers shaped up the way he plays. He threw quicker passes. He protected his body a lot more. He became one of the less hit quarterbacks in the NFL. And then all of a sudden he added eight more years onto his career when we thought there was maybe two or three at best. So you're right. There's that context there. But I also say in comparison to that, you know what? If, if I hear you on that, but if you look at, look at the other ages and you still see like, yeah, they may be less polished per se, but how polished can you get that guy in a year compared to the three years that have already been there for Kenny Pickett? You know, look at Patrick Mahomes. The Chiefs were perfectly fine with sitting him for a year. And then when he came up the next year, he was ready. He was good to go. And yeah, and he was and he had the polish and he was young. And then they were able to sign him to a to a to a super long deal. So I feel you on that. But I think that these teams, they also want to make sure they have control of these guys in their mid-20s. You know, they, they, they want a guy who, when he, when that contract is up, he's 24, 25 years old, 26 at the most, and you're saying, hey, we're signing you to a deal that's going to keep you around until your, mid, your, your early to mid-30s. And 
that's how we're going that that's how we're going to progress with you so we will get your athletic prime here and if you and if it's great after that great we'll keep up with you but um i i think that's still the direction that they're going it, i feel you that the guys could last longer but they still it's still it, it expands the lifespan but it still doesn't change the race to get the quarterback who still will then like, you know, those 21 year old quarterbacks, they'll also have longer lifespans in the NFL because they are still three years younger. But I, I get what you're thinking there, Jeffrey. Okay. Let me real quick, jump in. We got a super chat here. Okay. Uh, Felicia Ballard gives us $5. Thank you for that. Says, wow. The great Chris Carter. Glad <laughs> to have you. Can't wait for your show later. I love the show. Shannon and Jeffrey. Great job. Thank you, Felicia. Mm -hmm. Uh, I'm also a huge fan of all the things Chris Carter does. Oh, I thank to you podcasts guys. all the time. Uh, if if people listening don't know, Chris, you got your start here at Behind the Steel Curtain. Yes, I did. Went on. We're doing. You've done a lot of great things since, and we'll, we'll get to that eventually, uh, where you can see Chris outside of this show tonight. But uh, yeah, it's absolutely fantastic to have you. It's thank always you. a treat. Uh, and you're, in my opinion, you're one of the best in the business. Uh, uh, that's appreciated, man. Pittsburgh and beyond. Mm -hmm. uh, that means a lot. Thank you. Yeah. Shannon, you got a question? No, uh, you said that was going to be the last one on the quarterback. So uh, who do you think is uh, is the next prospect that's going to come off the board for the Panthers? Oh, it's absolutely Damari Mathis. Let me tell you, man, I knew Damari was tough. But, like, his 4.3940 yard dash, so I was like, there you go. That shows yeah. me the lettuces. But when I was there for Pitts Pro Day, and this young man jumped up 43 and a half inches on a vertical leap, whoo, I was like, okay, he got the bunnies. He got the hops. Then he goes and puts up over 100 on, on, the, on the broad jump. And then I looked at that, and I was, like, trying to do some computations on my phone, like, live. And I'm like, I went to one of Pitt's guys, RJ. RJ is one of the great guys that works in Pitt Sports, Inform Sports Information Department. I said, RJ, I'm looking at these numbers. These are better than anyone at the Combine. He's like, ah, Chris, I got other things to worry about, man. But, but at the same time, I'm like, RJ, I think he's like breaking stuff right here. And sure, if I went and checked it, he the, his, his vertical leap would have been the best of anybody at the Combine. His broad jump would have beat any cornerback at the, at, at the, at the Combine. This is a guy who's extremely athletic. And Pat Narduzzi, he has had three defensive back drafted in the last four years into the in the NFL. And he himself, when I asked him about it, said that Damari might be the best that he that has, that has ever come out of his program, you know, as far as completely put together. Mathis with this, if it when he is drafted, because he will be drafted now, he will be the fourth pit cornerback out of the last, or fourth, excuse me, defensive back, because you also have to factor in DeMar Hamlin as a safety, but he'll be the fourth pit defensive back who's been selected in the last five NFL draft classes. And you saw Jason Pinnock, similar profile, you know, not a super playmaker, doesn't have all the highlights, but a good player. And then he put up a stellar, or no, I would say stellar, a very good pro day last year for Pitt. And that made him a fifth round pick for the New York Jets. Now you've got Damari Mathis who grades higher than Jason Pinnock. Mathis is a guy, he was hurt in, in Pinnock's uh, last year, so he didn't get to play. And when he came back this year, I mean, he had several key plays for the Panthers, an interception against Clemson that helped you know, turn the game around early for them. He con consistently went one-on-one -on -one against team's best receivers. Uh, he has a t He's explosive, he's quick, he can turn his hips well, he's physical, he hits, he tackles. There's a lot of things to like about this guy. Um, and he has decent length. You know, he's not short. He's, you know, he's not super long but he has the length to play i think that if you can get him in the mid to late third round 
early four, anywhere in the fourth round, you have gotten a steal in this draft class because of his athletic profile. And I think the Steelers should take a look because Justin Lane hasn't done a lot for you, even though you went and brought back Akella Witherspoon, even though you got Cam Sutton under contract, even though you went and got Levi Wallace. You need a young dude who's going to be under contract for longer than all of that, who could potentially ascend and become a starter cornerback on your roster. I think Damari Mathis could be that, but I also think there's a lot of teams that could use a profile like his, and he will. I think he would make, make a home for himself anywhere. Yeah, you're – Preaching to the choir here. I, I've been a huge fan of his since that. I, I had no idea. I hadn't looked at anything on him. And he put that up on his pro day. And you were talking about it on Twitter. And I was like, who the heck is this guy? Mm-hmm. Start looking at him. And I'm like, holy crap. Like, this guy... Yep. This guy's straight up balls. I, um, I, I showed I showed a clip because uh, pit safety coach, Corey Saunders, great coach, by the way. Um, he... He posted a clip of Damari Mathis from the all 22 angles. You know, not all colleges give us their all 22s, mm. but, uh, but he was, po- he posted a good all 22 clip of that Clemson interception. And you can just see how he just wall. He physically dominates his, his man forces him to the sideline. And when the ball's up in the air, high points, it snatches it. It's the perfect textbook play. And Corey Saunders said, this is the textbook play that I'm going to show to my players for years. And that's the stuff that you were able to put on tape. I shared that with, uh, with, uh, with, uh, with, with, with Trevor who hosts the, 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 the stock exchange podcast or the draft stock exchange on the NFL draft. You can find him Tampa Bay Trey on Twitter. I showed him that, and he was like, yo, he bodied that man. And I said, uh-huh, see, you got to look at this guy. He combines technique with that athleticism and the swagger of I can live on an island and be cool all the time. I don't think he's a Darrell Revis, but I do think that he's a he's a starter in the NFL sooner rather than later, so somebody should go get him. Awesome, awesome. Uh, one last guy, if we can get one more t- uh, sure. out of you. Uh, Taysier Mack. Yeah. Is he is he is I mean it's 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 quite possibly the worst draft class to be a deep threat and try yeah. and get drafted as like a second tier deep threat. Uh, how much do you think his his time his in, the time he lost this season hurt him and and do you think he is a potential steal in this draft? I mean I think he's a steal if you get him if you're getting him late in the draft process or you get him as an undrafted free agent. I, I think it was devastating to see what happened to Taysir. This is a guy who. In 2019, caught the game-winning pass from Kenny Pickett in a bowl game. Uh, that was, I think, it was Pitt's first bowl win under Pat Narduzzi. And you know, it, and at the time, he was looking like the number one dude. But then COVID hit, and then that, that kind of that that slowed that slowed him up in 2020. And then he had an injury in 2020, and that took him out. So he his 2021 was his bounce back year, and he was bouncing back. He was running the sharp routes. He wasn't dropping big passes. He was making big plays. Him and Jordan Addison were a feared duo and then you had jared wayne being physical out there for Pitt, and then he suffered a tragic injury and it's just it really stinks for for Taysier because he he lost he, he lost a family member you know leading into the season that really hurt him um and he was playing for them and he was doing such a great job uh i really hope that there's some, there's some team that he gets a shot out there i will say this there was a los angeles chargers scout who came to some early pit practices this year and was and was watching over those receivers. Now he might have been looking at Jordan, but former Pitt wide receiver coach Chris Beatty is currently the wide receivers coach out with Los Angeles. I believe he still is, unless he's moved. But that would have been a quick move because he just got there a year ago. But that told that to me, I made a mental note. I was like, uh huh. 
Tazir Matt, maybe an undrafted guy, seventh round pick guy that these guys pick up and say, hey, maybe we just put plop him in with, you know, Mike Williams and Keenan Allen, all these all those guys over there. There could be something there. I do think Taysir Mack deserves a shot. I think he, if he, if he could stay healthy, he could be a, a threat for teams. Um, I just, I, I don't know if he's going to get that chance because injuries do, you know, team, team, when you get injured, teams they're not trying to take too many, too many risks on you unless you're like Jamison Williams or you know Ohabo or, or, or guys like that. But I, I do feel for Taysir. He was, I thought he was on a run uh, this year to show everyone that he was still, still that guy. Jeffrey, I believe you're muted. Sorry about that. Thanks for being on the show. Thanks for coming Definitely. on. Uh, before you go, let everyone know all the different places they can hear and see your work. Absolutely. Well, you can follow me, as it says below, at Carter Critiques on Twitter and Instagram. You can get all my stuff there. You can listen to me every day, Monday through Friday, on the Locked On Steelers podcast. I'm on Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Odyssey. We also have our YouTube channel if you want to get our, our daily YouTube shows as well as our breaking breaking news episodes that we do whenever whenever they come out. Subscribe to our YouTube page. We got a lot of Steelers fans. Join the Locked On Steelers Facebook group. You can interact with, with over 6,000 other Locked On Steelers listeners and fans. Jeffrey, I believe you're one of them. Um, yep. yeah, so like, yeah, there's, a lot, there's a lot of people that that interact with us you can also read my work at dkpittsburghsports.com where i do film work on the steelers as well as cover the pit football team and the pit basketball team to keep you up to date with there and you know sometimes i wear several other hats like popping up on channel 11 wpxi late at night so you never know but if you follow me on 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 twitter instagram at carter critiques you'll get a but you'll see a bunch of my work when it comes out and you know sometimes i just have fun with people posting funny uh yoshi memes of using my hammer (laughs) all right chris thanks for being on Thanks for coming. Uh, Thank you. Thank you, fellas. Thanks, man. All right. Bye. All right. Shannon. Of all the pit prospects, obviously, the one people talk the most about is Kenny Pickett. As we talked, there were a few other guys, but they're they're later rounds. They're, They're mid to late round picks. Kenny Pickett, as a Pittsburgh Steeler, do you think that's a realistic scenario, and how do you think he would fit? We talked something about it last week. I'm not, I don't want to see the Steelers pull the trigger on a quarterback unless there's somebody they just are really enamored with. Because as Chris said, and we talked about last week, this is such an opportunity to get a special player in that first round or even trade back maybe to the later in the first round and maybe pick up another second round because it's such a, a strong draft in those first three rounds. So, I still believe Pickett would be a better option for somebody like uh, the Saints or the Panthers, uh, somebody who's more of a warmer climate, uh, because I just I haven't seen enough of him in the wind and the snow to, to feel comfortable. If they pass on him, then you have the whole, could it be another damn Marino nightmare if the stores go a good while trying to find their next franchise guy. But, I, I will not put Pickett in the same class as Dan Marino. So I would still rather see a, say a White or a Jordan Davis, a guy like that in that first round, if at all possible. I think that's more realistic. I agree with you. I absolutely agree with you. Even though to me, like if you, if you look at what Ben Roethlisberger brought later in his career, Kenny Pickett, in my opinion, in this class would be the smoothest transition. Mm-hmm. 
if they were keeping that style of offense, or even with what Matt Canada was running, Ben Roethlisberger was running a lot of it. Uh, I I think he would be, you know, the right now quarterback. The guy, if you have an offense, especially with what we have, Deontay Johnson, Chase Claypool, we got some good receivers. Say you add another receiver to that, you've got Najee Harris, you've got Pat Fryermuth. You know, he would be the quarterback. If you were saying we want a guy to come in and start right away, it would absolutely be Kenny Pickett for me, right? Oh, oh I don't think you. Yeah, but with but Mitchell I don't Trubisky, think they would. Yeah, I don't think they had picked up Trubisky if yeah. they felt that way or that was the plan. Yeah, I say I agree with you there. All right, we're gonna we're gonna wrap up our show here, uh, Shannon. Before we go, let people know where they can read your work, what you got coming out. Well, uh, my next article maybe be posted tomorrow. I'm not sure. Uh, is about a late round uh, sleeper, a guy who could be a project for the Steelers at a position that a lot of people are not talking about, which is backup running back, where it's not a huge need, but Harris needs somebody that's going to be able to spell him, uh, somebody that can come in without a huge drop off or heaven forbid Harris goes out for with an injury. Um, you need somebody who can come in and, and with a similar uh, – to, to keep things running as smoothly as possible. So the article uh, is about Baylor running back uh, Abram Smith and uh, how I think that he could be a, a good sleeper pick for the Steelers. So that might be pay, uh, posted tomorrow, but I'm not sure. All right. I have a vertex coming out with Dave Schofield tomorrow on Dan Moore Jr. Uh, his his play and specifically looking at the game where uh, PFF famously gave him a zero pass blocking <laughs> grade. The worst, the worst game ever played by an offensive lineman. Uh, we look at that, at least according to PFF, right? And the the crux, it's a big game to me because it's the crux of their argument uh, about Miles Garrett being better than TJ Watt. It's almost entirely based on the Steelers and Browns playing each other, right? And it's it's la- that's laughable to me, but, but check it out. See how Dan Moore Jr. actually did. I show all the worst plays from it and 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 some some better plays. So check that out. See what he has. I think it's a great way to look at a player and see what they what where he has to grow and the potential he already brings inside of that. Even as he's getting beat, what was he showing as he was having one of his worst games, right? So check that out. Um, as always, check out all the podcasts on the Behind the Steel Curtain family of podcasts. We've got shows coming out every day, every evening. Uh, articles at the website, BehindTheSteelCurtain.com. Uh, this is how you stay up with everything this offseason. It really is your one-stop shop for all things Pittsburgh Steelers. Thank you for being here with us. Thank you for enjoy for our show. Again, thanks to Chris Carter. He's a he's a behind the steel curtain legend who who's gone on and man, like he started out as a young guy doing doing stuff here, podcasts and film room stuff like I do, and now he he sits in the press box at Steeler Games and he has access to the facility. And fantastic! I I love it. I think it's great. Uh, and he's always been a huge supporter of us. At any time we want him to come on, he, he always does his best to make time for us. And he's a very, very busy person. Uh, so massive props. Definitely check him out. 
uh, Carter critiques on Twitter. Check out the Locked On Steelers podcast; it's a great one. Uh, and the Facebook, he's he brought up the Locked On Steelers Facebook group. I am a member of that. I go on there to to yap at people too. Uh, so check all of that out. Check out behind the steel curtain. Other than that, hey, have a great week, and let's go Steelers. Stop and check them out.